What's up? What's up? What's up? Podcast world chat belling back at you. This life ain't for everybody. Again, I'm fired up about today's guest. I'm fired up about y'all's participation, your support. Keep supporting our partners and sponsors. Thank you all so much for keeping the thoughts and prayers of all of our American communities at the front of your brain right now. It might not be affecting you personally, but it's affecting a lot of our brothers and sisters. So stay home, stay safe, take care of you, take care of yours. Find something to do. That's what I'm doing, man. I'm freaking even cleaning out my jeans and I'm my sock drawers are all organized and stuff I've been threatening to do. But now that I'm pushing the brakes and pumping the brakes a little bit more, I'm getting it done. So let's take something positive out of this quarantine time and keep everybody in our thoughts and prayers and that the big man upstairs is going to get us all through this together and we're going to come out bigger brighter happier on the other side of this today's episode of this life ain't for everybody is brought to you by our friends in nashville whiskey jam you heard me talk about ward and the crew before what they've done for music in the nashville scene is unprecedented in my time i also believe in the the revival i support all of these these bands and all of these musicians that get up there and rock these stages on a Monday night. Think about it on a Monday, Tuesday night, you could go to Nashville and it's just like it's a Friday or Saturday night anywhere in the country. So check out whiskey jam on Instagram at whiskey jam, check out their website, buy their merch, please support musicians in this time right now. when they're not out on the road doing their thing. Check out whiskey jam. Today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by another Tennessee based company, Lynchburg, Tennessee, our friends at Jack, Daniels, it doesn't get any more American than that. Enjoy it responsibly. But if you just got dumped, if you just won the trophy, have one, sip on one. If you're of age and you enjoy Sour Mash Tennessee whiskey, there's nothing like Jack Daniels. We truly appreciate what you do for all of our brands. Jack, and we can't wait to meet up with you again, but we're not going to get in a fight with you. Like many country songs have been written about Jack Daniels, probably the most iconic liquor alcohol brand in the history of the world besides maybe anheuser-busch that's a pretty good argument right there today's guest is an absolute badass and i'm talking about when you hear a hook or you get a first chance to make an impression you always hear you never get a second chance to make a first one and you got is a musician a lot of times like you take a, a audition that kind of mentality sometimes you don't get a second chance this dude blew me out of the water as soon as i heard the first key or the first tone of his voice i started comparing him to some of the people that i sat back and went wow those people are they're like some of the greatest musicians of all time in my opinion and i'm going to ask him his opinion today if my comparison even resonated with this man because i know how humble he is but i also know how awesome he is paul mcdonald brother how are you i'm doing great Th- uh, thanks so much for the uh the lovely intro yeah yeah buddy i mean uh it's funny to see how you react. I don't know if you're one of those kind of guys, but uh, you know, there's arrogance and there's confidence and there's cockiness and there's, then there's another level of not even being able to take a compliment. Um, I talk about myself sometimes to where as a duck hunter, I've gotten to do really amazing things that I'm very humbled by. And it seems like it almost wants to become the topic of a lot of the conversations that I get around. Like if I'm with my buddies back home and and it's just an, it talks like, Hey, building, what have you been up to? And if I tell them what I'm up to, it's almost like one, they're not going to believe it. And two, it's going to take over the conversation. There's going to be, so I kind of shade away from the compliments or like the, 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 of telling somebody what I'm doing or who I'm talking to. Um, because I don't take it for granted. It's really special to me to get to do it, but I don't know if you're that same way. Like I, I've went and researched a lot of things said about you. And if those things were being said about me, I would be like, 
Really? Am I believing the hype? Like, this is like the real deal, the, who they're comparing you to, what they say about you. Are you the same way you kind of just like let it ricochet off of you? I think I think you have to, man, in order to just uh, stay stay level. I mean, all that stuff is just opinions, you know. It, uh, and if you start believing the hype, then then I feel like you're uh, you're not moving forward in a way, you know. Um, so whenever you bring up those uh, phenomenal artists, I, I, I go, whoa, thank you. But like, that's that's those guys are out of my league. That's a whole different. But do you truly feel that way with the confidence that you have in the music that you're writing and displaying and composing? Um, do you really feel like that? And I know that you're humble, but do you really sit there and think that they're out of your league? I, I don't, I don't think that they are out of my league. I think we've, we've both put it in the same amount of, I mean, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of that stuff has to do with timing and, and how hard you're working. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know, after being on the road and, and, you know, just working for 15 years, you, you obviously kind of fall into a place where you go, I, I know I can, uh, can hang uh, because occasionally you'll hop up on stage with somebody that that is one of those folks and uh, and at the end of it it's a mutual respect kind of thing but I still uh, like to look up to those guys and just you know uh, it's it's so like you know those artists were, were people that I was inspired inspired you know growing up listening to so uh, anytime I get to meet my heroes like that I'm very just like uh, I don't even ever, I've never asked for a photo or anything. I'm just kind of like, Hey, thank you for what you did. Just want to let you know. Uh, give me, give me an example. Now, wait, I want this example of how this one went down. Stevie wonder. I heard that you've oh. been on, I've, you've shared stage with Stevie wonder. Like that dude is musical genius, right? Like I remember the Eddie Murphy skit, like the, the, the skit, you know, like, yeah, you want to impress me, Stevie, take the wheel kind of deal. But Eddie's like, that dude is a musical genius, right? When he's, he, he was around him on Saturday night live and stuff. Yeah, tell me like, tell me about Stevie. He's another level that, that the time that I got to sing with Stevie Warner, we did a medley of his hits. Uh, and it was, uh, it was when I was living in LA doing a TV show, it was uh, Steven Tyler's birthday. So, so Steven Tyler was there. They brought out Steven a, bir a birthday cake and, uh, we sang him happy birthday and Stevie Warner was there and we ran a medley of, of his hits and sang a uh, happy birthday, you know, happy birthday to you. And, uh, and we really did not get to talk that much. It was just like rehearsal, go, boom. Stevie was in and out so fast. Um, but the but the wild thing about it is I bumped into him like a week later at the Beverly Hilton just eating breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was like, man, should I go say hello to him? Like, because, uh, you know, we 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 we, uh, we were we were playing last week, you know, but uh, but we never got to actually meet. And, uh, and I'm sure a million people approach him. So I didn't even go up and say anything to him, but, uh, but it was one for, I mean, for the books, that's, that was a once in a lifetime kind of just, uh, you know, the longer you do it, occasionally those things pop up where I, I'm not even believing, believing the story myself, just, just saying it out loud, you know, but bro. Stevie wonder, John Mayer, Crosby, Stills and Nash, the revivalist, Zach Brown, um, I can keep going and going and going. Hanson, Emmy Lou Harris. Like you think about like a melting pot of musicians. And that's, that, that's my problem with you, Paul is like, I don't know if I was a radio programmer where I could put you. Like when I listen to your music, I'm like, well, that's country, but that's Jack white, but Jack white's got a lot of country roots in him too. And, but Paul rocks 
Jack White rocks. Um, Emmy Lou Harris though, like Emmy Lou Harris is country, but she's soulful and she's bluesy. You're bluesy and you're soulful. I don't know if you rap or freestyle and do hip hop and, and work a turntable, but like as far as musicianship goes, like where do you where do you put yourself? Where if I'm a radio programmer, can I put you in a box and say on the country radio today we're gonna put this on the bro country radio today we're gonna put this on on the rock station we're gonna and where would I put Paul McDonald? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like it falls uh, somewhere in, in like a, a rock and roll soul. Uh, you know, it's, it's just I, I was I was raised uh, like listening to a lot of like seventies um, uh, like folk folk music. Like uh, uh, I mean, Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, Joni Mitchell, songwriters, uh, and and Jackson Brown. I've been listening to tons of Jackson Brown recently. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I like to think that my music just feels like a, like organic, real music, soul rock, a little bit of soul rock and roll and country. Um, so it can kind of just fall wherever. But I guess that's up for the, ra- the radio programmers to decide or, or someone else that's, that, g- that gets the records, you know. But it's uh, I like to think of it as real, honest music, you know. Um, one of the, mo- you know, people that are saying things about you are people that are some who's who in – in Hollywood, in Nashville, in the industry, does it does that part of it mess with your head when you hear a quote by somebody that you might look up to, or somebody that's that you do have respect for because you've met them, you've played with them, you've recorded with them, you've jammed with them, you've sessioned with them? Does it does that differentiate between that and just some critic going, "Oh, that dude sounds," or just some duck hunter in Reno going, "You sound like Jack White," or you know, you you remind me of Jack White is how I put it. I actually said you remind me of if Jack White and Axl Rose had an affair and were able to have a kid. That's who you reminded me of the way this, you move. This, I, need, you I need to steal this line and, and send that to every radio promoter. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, when somebody like this quote right here resonates, like if you watch the Defiant ones, you've seen the documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if people haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch the Defiant ones. But you know this guy. That was the star of the Defiant Ones. You know him, Jimmy, Jimmy Iveen. When I lived in, yeah, when I lived out in Los Angeles, uh, he was like a mentor. We would go in and do these uh, these sessions uh, at Interscope, and he was like, I'd meet, I we, I would meet up with him. Uh, I mean, sh- very short, very short moments, but we would meet up like uh, once a week, and and he'd come in and kind of uh, oversee the sessions and that kind of stuff. And and I guess he said something. Uh, about me that uh, at that point in time, my manager or somebody remembered it, and and, and now it's it's a, it's in the uh, in the press packet. You'll always know who Paul McDonald is. Out of a million singers, you'll know him. That's so rare. It's such a gift. I'm I'm this dude owns Beats. He helped make Dr. Dre. He he he's like. I don't I can't even tell you the story of Jimmy. I mean, as far as like sweeping the floors back in the days when, when, when iconic bands were recording the things he's done with the iconic voices of today. And for him to say that about you, either you're, you're, you're the kind of guy that would say, Oh, Chad, he was probably drunk off his ass and didn't remember saying that. But the deal is Paul is that he said it like that's, that can't just be another duck hunter in Nevada's opinion about your music. That's, that is true. And Jimmy, uh, I remember uh, sitting with him. I mean, it's been years ago now, but uh, but we w- we would we would talk art uh, and and music. And I just remember him always being super kind to me. We did a session one day with uh, with Don Was, uh, 
uh, over at Capitol, Capitol Studios. Don, Don at the time was doing John Mayer's record and he, he had worked with the Stones and all these guys. The band was phenomenal that day. And, uh, and Jimmy was in there and he, and uh, it was, it was interesting uh, working with him. I mean, he, at this, at this point in his career, he was, he was focused primarily on the beat stuff. The beat stuff had just kind of taken off. So he wasn't as involved as like an engineer or a producer or that kind of thing. Um, but man, he, it was, it was, it was pretty inspiring just being around someone that works that fast. It's that uh, gifted and has been around that many great people. I mean, like uh, Tom Petty, John Lennon, he just worked with some of the greatest. So being in his presence, uh, I just learned so much. I learned so much, you know, being around those kind of people, that's how you grow. And I think it also had, a, and, and you learn not to take it to your head. You're, I was at that point in my life, I was just a sponge and I still am. I'm just always trying to soak up uh, information uh, from people that are better than me, you know? Well, I don't know better, but, or right. just just have have different different skills or but I understand I love the analogy of being a sponge and being teachable and being coachable and not being an ignorant know-it-all that you're the baddest ass on stage there's always somebody better and the thing about learning somebody's story is so key of like you know this guy he he might just come across as some dude with with a beard and some badass hair that you know <laughs> there's a lot of people in Nashville that look like you but then you hear like well when you learn this guy's story and his experiences like that's what really gets down to the substance of somebody, right? So that's what means that's when like Jimmy Iovine says something like that, like, well, he knows you, he says that. And he means that like that dude's not just going to waste his breath to say that because he's heard thousands and thousands of voices, right? He's seen thousands and thousands of performances. So when you mention people like Mayer and you have a connection with him and you've been on stage with Zach Brown and there's a big connection between John Mayer and the Zach Brown band with Clay Cook and Matt Mangiano and his band, who are some of the just geniuses of our time musically, Clay Cook and Coy Bulls, but Clay and Matt Mangiano, the bassist, they're at Berkeley. John Mayer's at Berkeley in Boston. They got, they meet, they form, they start writing songs. And um, is this kind of your connection between the two of them, or did you just meet them happenstance? <laughs> I met those guys. I had a band when I first started in college. It was a band called High Tide Blues, and we were playing the bar scene. We were doing like Peachtree Tavern in Atlanta and Sky Bar in Auburn, just playing the southeastern college circuit. And at that point in time, Zach Brown was doing the same stuff. So we were riding around in a 15-passenger van, and we would open up for him at small rock clubs. And then our old manager was from Atlanta as well, so that whole world of the Zach Brown band and, and the, the musicians in Atlanta, we were kind of intertwined with, I was, I was at college at Auburn at the time, which was a two hour, two hour drive, but that was how we got to know those guys just through playing the same clubs. Um, when they first started off, I mean, or when they were, when they were still in a band and a trailer kind of thing, you know, you were at the university of Auburn. Yeah. I went to Auburn. Yeah. Did you ever get to play an alumni event for Bo Jackson and rock out for Bo? No, no. What? That's I, my I, favorite. I, that's my favorite athlete of all time, dude. Bo Jackson is the best. I, dude, I, if I if I took this computer and rocked it around our studio, you ought to, I'm a groupie. Like I was a. I have every poster made, every baseball card, every football card. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, man, but yeah, Bo Jackson's brilliant, man. I used to have the poster of him with the football pads. Oh and, yeah, uh, dude. I have pose. I have poses of me when I signed my 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 college scholarship. I put my shoulder pads on in high school, and I had my bat over it. I was taking pictures. My dad was having me pose. <laughs> oh yeah, Bo is awesome, man. There, there was there was a there was a quote 
in like a local newspaper for my first band, High Tide Blues. And I remember sending this to my my father because uh, I had two classes left and I was dropping out of school to be in the band. And the, and the newspaper article said High Tide Blues, which was our band at the time, best thing to come out of Auburn since Bo Jackson. No way. Like, Did you keep it? Yeah, I've got it somewhere. It's at my uh, You got to find it and send and take a picture of it for me, dude. I should, I should put that one on the bio now, even though it's, you know, 15 years old now. But <laughs> So what, dude? That's Bo freaking Jackson. Yeah, man. He's a. I never got to meet him. Uh, back, back when we were at school there, uh, Cam Newton was there, so he would come to shows occasionally. And um, uh, Ronnie Brown, Cadillac, uh, Carnell Williams was there. Like, it was that, it was that time. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it was, it was fun. I'd we say were- my Auburn royalty is Bo with what he did in track and field football and basketball, winning the Heisman, all American broke the 50 yard dash in the or 50 meter dash in the NCAA track and field. Then you got Frank Thomas who can mash and then you got Barkley. So those would probably be my three. I like cam too, but those are my hall of fame. Those are, those are the three for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, I was, I was looking up uh, YouTube videos the other day of Bo Jackson, like some of like, his his throws from oh. uh, he just he was an ace from that outfield with the ball, ball Baltimore when he threw that ball from left field from the warning track flat footed on a line on a p and, and threw a oh man I used to know that he threw him out at home play uh, but yeah the other day I was doing a podcast with my buddy Michael Waddell who has a show called Bone Collector he's from the state of Georgia he uh, lives in Booger Bottom Georgia big Brent Cobb fan we actually he was actually with at Brent Cobb's Brent played a show for me in February for National Wild Turkey on Broadway and um, and Michael was there and we got to hang out on the bus and we were talking about Bo because Michael had just done a squirrel hunt in Georgia with Jackie Bushman um, it's it's called the squirrel classic and they get these teams and they raise all this money for charity and and then they do a big squirrel cookout and Bo Jackson Bo Jackson was the celebrity hunter in it and I was like and I was invited to go and I'm like oh my gosh Bo was they, they were sending me pictures and selfies of them and Bo and then and then on top of that and then and then Michael airs this episode a couple weeks ago on the outdoor channel. His show's called bone collector and it's really, really successful brand. And, um, he was doing a show in Bessemer, Alabama when the tornado went through there and he was taking uh, the organizer of the relief fund on a turkey hunt, but they went to some of the grave sites and the homesteads and, and they just showed how therapeutic hunting in the outdoors are. But Bessemer is where Bo was born in 1962. So that whole correlation is so weird to me that Michael's filming in Bessemer, Alabama, destruction just happens. He gets to give back through the hunting community, gets tears in their eyes when this guy gets to see the experience, what he gets to experience they get to go feed you know the families around there that just lost everything they had and then he's hunting with bo jackson and that's where bo jackson was born where where that show took place so that's kind of cool yeah i mean yeah that's uh, that's like a once in a lifetime thing yeah uh, yeah you, i bet you feel like you uh, you missed out on that one oh dude man it's like that when i saw the pictures i was i was i was cussing at him a little bit <laughs> i was um when you play music do you get into character and is that character different than the guy I'm talking to right now? Do you, do you, the, some baseball players or some football players, they get a different mentality, obviously in the competitiveness world where they can't even be approached when they're between the lines. Right. Um, 
but as a musician, do you get that way? Do you think Slash gets that way when the Les Paul's in his hand and he goes from being Megan Hodge's boyfriend to Slash and he's up on stage in front of 100,000 and he's ripping through these chords? Is that a character? Is Slash a character? Is that really who he became? I know that's his nickname, but yeah. is that truly who he is? Um, I mean, that's uh, you'd, you'd have to ask him, him that question. I mean, I can only. Speak I'm just comparing him. it to you. Like, is that who you are? Do you, when you get on stage, do you turn into somebody else? I do. I do turn into a different character. Right now, I mean, if I was trying to to, to host a show, sitting down here, or, or or do a rock show, just kind of with this chill energy, it's a whole different thing when you're playing with a band. And there's people in front of you, and uh, and um, and you've and you've and you're not wearing you know your everyday street clothes. You're kind of you're kind of, uh, it's, I, it's, it's hard to, to say, but yeah, you definitely go into character sometimes. I always feel a little bit, especially if I'm wearing like a rhinestone suit or something a little bit over the top. Like when you walk out, there's just a little bit more of a, a comfort factor. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's just a, a bigger version of yourself. It's still me. But it's uh, I get to be a little bit more over the top, you know. If, with, with, with a with with a band, I'm uh, I'm a little bit I'm an I'm an entertainer. I'm jumping around. I'm moving, but it's not on purpose. It's not it's it's out of it's out of the feeling that I get from the music and from the band. It's uh, nothing's insincere when I'm up there, you know. But I do oh, feel I, the, I can tell. Yeah, I feel the most comfortable on stage, uh, to be honest, you know. And I would probably venture to say that a lot of musicians that get to the, a certain level of talent probably do, even though I bet you some take a minute to get that ability or that mindset because it's so intimidating to you. And, and before it becomes natural, there's got to be a grace period to where it's scary as hell. <laughs> I, I think uh, for me, I, I just been doing it for so long. So uh, like I started playing, I mean, not, not crazy long, but I started playing bands when I was 16 years old. Uh, and then I started doing more like uh, full on, uh, you know, doing it for a living and started in college. So I was like, you know, playing 200 shows a year kind of thing. And, and at that point in time, I remember, I remember when I was, when I first started out, you had to be, you had to play covers. We we're doing college bars and it was like a four hour sets, that kind of thing. So we would be doing, you know, 80% covers and we toss in 20% of original songs. And when you're playing for uh four or five nights a week, four hours at a time. You just kind of have to get used to it. And at that point in time, I wasn't a good guitar player. I wasn't a good singer, wasn't a good songwriter. But the the, the people that uh, that were in sh the, the owners of the clubs were saying like, man, if you don't entertain these people, then you don't get paid. So before I was a good songwriter or a good singer, a guitar player, I was an entertainer. So I was, you know, I, I would, it was more of uh more of that and then over the years you you get better and better at your craft obviously you know it's just like exercising but uh I, I for some reason i was never never that scared walking on stage ever you know so when you talk about cover band right there's yeah. influence there. There's inspiration there. there. You don't just pull those songs out of your ass and go, oh, I'm just going to do it for the hell. Even though you might take a request and say, oh, let's see if we can get that one done. But as far as Paul McDonald goes, give me a rundown of who you would put in that category. And I don't have to know him. I, is it, is it Freddie Mercury? Cause you even have a little Freddie in you, right? One of the greatest front men of all time. Like he's unreal, right? Iconic, but 
is that an influence? I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm putting you on his level. So I don't want you to backlash me and go, oh, guys, I know that he's better than you in your opinion, but I'm saying that that's who I would see kind of being an influence. In my opinion, like that's your style. That's who you're rocking like. As, as far as you ever being as iconic as Freddie Mercury, I don't know if any front man ever could, right? With what he stood for and what he did. That's a difficult thing to, for anyone to touch. Right. Uh, I, I'm, you know, frontman wise, I'm inspired. I mean, Mick Jagger is one of my all time favorites, man. The, the Rolling Stones. Uh, oh, he's me, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that was always, uh, you know, someone uh, I looked up to. Iggy Pop's a great frontman. I mean, like, uh, but I, I, it, was, it was always Mick Jagger was kind of the. the Why? Know, David Bowie. I don't know. Uh, Mick Jagger. He just had, he had, I just love the role. I love the Stones music. I love the attitude that those guys, uh, you know, at that point in time, it was, uh, it was almost like Stones versus the Beatles and they were a little bit the uh, darker side. And uh, I just love the attitude, man. And I, and I love the, the looseness of the music because at the time that was, that was the band I was in. It was, uh, we weren't very good, but it was loose and it had a feel and it felt like, it felt like the stones, you know. And when you when you talk about what you what you brought, I'm reading notes on my phone about um, some of the things in your packet of when you talk about like what the stones meant to you. It, do you take it as a 365 degree encompassing thing? Like, for example, and again, I get on my Guns N' Roses kick, but I really liked how they brought it all full circle from the songwriting to the masters of their craft, to the musicianship, to the lyric, to the guitar playing, to the melodies, um, and then the stage presence. Okay, so all of that full circle to me is like what the Stones encompassed and what Queen encompassed, where a lot of bands don't get that or they don't have that longevity because they don't have that central unit of the encompassing of what it really means to be a true rock legendary band. Not that GNR is better than anybody else, which they are, in case anybody's wondering. Um, But that was when I see them on stage, I'm like, that is so authentic and so raw and that is what they always were when they moved to la and started doing stuff in 85 it was about the jungle and the rawness and the stones like you just said they were dark and they were raw and they made no apologies for it they never changed man and that's my my, fa- my favorite artists are those people that, that know exactly who they are and then just stick to it I and mean, that's that's uh and with whatever genre it is uh if if you're just wholeheartedly yourself then then you cannot uh you can't say a bad thing about him, you know. It's like uh, you're talking about Brent Cobb. Brent's one of those guys, man. Even if you don't like country music, you you gotta like Brent Cobb, man, because he's he's he he just is. Man. Is he, he is not one of the best going right now? Man, he's awesome, dude. I, I love him, and I've got to I've only got to hang with him a handful of times. We've we've just played a few different gigs and crossing, um, but we got a bunch of mutual friends. But every time I get to hang with him, man, he's a uh, he's just nothing but the sweetest guy, man. It's such a, such a talent, you know? Oh man. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the, the egoness that there's not with you guys, because I have a, 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 a certain way of being able to, you know, get songs out there and music just in our, of the people that we l- want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so thankful that I don't go to somebody like a Leith Lofton or a Brent Cobb and have them develop a skin or an attitude. Like it's, Hey man, what are you doing now? What are you doing? Kind of deal. Right. What are you doing? Talking to him kind of thing. It's like, when I tell Brent, like, hey, man, I get to throw down with Paul, he's like, dude, that guy's on another level. That dude is a badass. And it's like, that's so cool. It's almost like you guys called each other on what to say 
to me. Hey, if Chad calls you and isn't that though, it's like way unego and like not any arrogance at all. It's like, hell yeah, go support Paul and go do this. And that's what I love about this knit, this group that I'm working with or getting the opportunity. And I'm humbled to be able to talk to you or learn about your career and listen to your music and, and how it's cool for me to go and support Brent Cobb. And, and we all, and it's just a cool cohesiveness, man, that you guys have going on. Yeah, you got to root for all your friends, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I think I got over the whole, you know, trying to compete and do all that stuff back a long time ago. I mean, uh, that stuff will just, it'll just bring you Let down. me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When people hear about musicians and you see like the different levels of, of fame, different levels of celebrity, different levels of revenue, you guys are making a career. Let's, let's not let this be anything less than this is an art that is your career. This is what you guys do for your livelihood. So with that being said, there's different levels of that. You got the Beatles, you got Garth Brooks, you got, you have, you have guys that are major league baseball players, guys that are janitors. There's different of levels of everything in life. It does not make anybody a better human being than the other person. It might give them a little bit more access and, 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 and availability to different things in life. But the thing that the thing about your guys's stance is, are you making a career of this? Are you making a living being a professional musician, a professional artist? This is art what you do. You are an artist. Brent Cobb is an artist. You guys are not manufactured acts. And there is a such thing as a manufactured act in L.A. and in Nashville. Yeah. So are you, uh, are you making a living with your talents and your artistic value as a singer, as a songwriter, as a frontman, as a performer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh I mean, some years are better than others, as you know, with anything in the entertainment world. But uh, yeah, I've been doing it full time almost 15 years now. And like I said, some years have been great. And some years I'm like, man, I got to pick up like a side gig when I'm home for a second, you know, and help my buddy paint some houses or something. But I st it still goes in and out. And uh, yeah, this past year I was on tour. God, mo most of the year. And I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing ramblings of like 200 shows a year. Is this true? Yeah, that's that's where I'd like to be. Last year was probably uh, 150 or something like that. Like uh, I, I did maybe three tours around the U.S. So I was never home. But yeah, I love playing. I love traveling. Band. Uh, this past year, I did a, a duo and then I did solo acoustic as an opening act for uh, for artists. But uh, if I do, if I'm doing festivals or different things like that, then I have a band. And most, and that's where I would love to be. Uh, but man, it's just expensive to have to have guys come out on the road with you. Um, you know, at, at, on the way up, on the club level, you know. So as you're coming up, you have experienced some different things through life. You were married. You lived in L.A. You live in Nashville now. Yep, live in Nashville. Yeah. I'm just okay, so take me through this wife was an actress and I know there had to be crazy times. I don't want to get into your love life. I don't want to bring up old memories, but I'm a pretty inquisitive person and I'm kind of a sponge. We've already talked about this. I like to listen, even though I talk a lot, I still listen a lot. Give me some stories of LA, dude. There's gotta be a sunset strip story. There's gotta be a Hollywood Hill story. Is there anything that would make me fall off my chair and laugh my ass off or anything? I'm trying to think there were, there was so many of them. Cause at the time, I mean, uh, she was in a, a giant, a giant movie uh, franchise, and and she'd just been living in LA for so long. You know, she'd been out there for since a kid, and she had been in the business since a kid, since she was a kid. So, uh, I mean, 
we would get invited over to like dinner parties at Dustin Hoffman's house and just, I mean, there was, there was some, there was so much random stuff that if I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like I'm making it. <laughs> like we talked about, huh? Yeah. See, see, this uh, is it. Like you can't go into a dinner party and be like, Hey Paul, what do you, well, it's funny you ask. I was at Dustin Hoffman's last night and the night before I was <laughs> chilling with Steven Tyler at the rainbow bar and grill on Sunday. No, you weren't, you liar. No, truly I, I was. It's not even worth telling them. It's not even worth bringing up a lot of times because when you live out there in that world and that circle of things, you're bound to bump into those people. And it was just like you'd, you'd show up at an event, you'd show up at a thing, and then you'd be at a table sitting with like these people that like if I show up now to a dinner party in East Nashville with my musician friends, occasionally they'll be talking about like celebrity gossip or of this movie or this, this, this. And I'm going like, I want to say something like the, to be like, oh, yeah, well, the one time I was, but then it's like, it's not even worth doing it. Not even it's worth it. Be like, oh, you know, like, yeah. But it's so interesting, though, that it, that life and music took you there. How did you meet her? Is that are we? Am I getting in too much shit? To- no, 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 it's all good. Uh, I met her when I moved. I moved out to LA for a TV show, and she was a fan of the show, so she came out. She she we met at a red carpet event. Yeah, you could even you can still Google Google it online. Uh, you know how we met, and you can see the moment because it was on live TV at the time. And, um, yeah, she she had just been watching the show, and she was a fan of what I was doing, came up and said hello, and uh, we hit it off, and then it just kind of, that's how it, that's how it worked. So does it, does it bring up a bad vibe in you to think about hardships like this to where you have that documented proof of that look, that feeling, that holy shit feeling, this is it feeling, and then to go way up and then to hit rock bottom with it, like so many songs that you probably write about will tell that story. Does that does that affect you in a way to where recovery was harder than you thought, or has it made you a better, a better musician? Have you found more, more roots or anything like, has anything come out of the hardship that came with that? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, with any hardship, uh, if you don't learn and grow from it, then I, I, I feel like you have to, you have to, because that, it, there, there's always the, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and like, and going through that time, it was, it wasn't just so much, uh, you know, splitting up with a person you love, but it was also coming off of, uh, some really intense Los Angeles times with, with at that point in time, you know, uh, paparazzi lived outside our home pretty much. And it was just a constant, like, I, I went from, like I told you, uh, playing rock clubs in a 15 passenger van, you know, uh, with, with my buddies to, uh, going out to LA to this extravagant kind of interesting thing. And, um, yeah, so, so coming out of that relationship, I was also coming out of like LA and transitioning back to being a, a, a normal musician that was playing in East Nashville and just writing songs with my buds. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot, man. It took me a few years to kind of recover and get, get over that whole thing. But I learned a whole lot about myself and grew up, you know, grew up real quick during that time. Yeah, I, I I would think that that would be a lot of um, a lot of artistic t- downtime that you really start to you really start to like become more connected with yourself. I have like I've gone through that to where I just like get so much more connected with what my true being is, and I think that that's what life is all about. Life isn't easy, man. Life is like if you don't if you don't under have a good understanding that this life can just destroy you, like in a minutes, we're so blessed to be here, but there's times when you're like, 
man, you, you got to learn from this and there is light at the end of the tunnel, but there's some underlying message that's been, that's trying to be told to you. And it's our job as humans with our thinking capability, with these things we have in our head called brains of what we do with that that instance and what that experience is, is happening for I always say, and I get some, you know, pushback on it that everything happens for a reason, Paul, but I truly feel like, like you met her for a reason. And I don't know you. I just, this is, you know, we're, we're going to be buddies, but we're not buddies yet. I mean, we're buddies, but we're not good friends yet, but we're going to be friends. I just know it, but they're not knowing you. I'm just saying like, there, there has to be so much that goes into that instance in a man's life to where, of course, it's going to hit him or and hit her, obviously. And it's up to you to be like, all right, why did that happen? Why did I meet her? How did that all go down? Why is it ending? Something is telling me something here right now. And you got it's that's the that's the hard part to figure out. It's really being aware and tapping into yourself and going like it wasn't it wasn't her fault, my fault. What was this, the whole deal? What like what is this? What's what's the lesson here? Uh, you know. And, yeah. uh, and I, I, I needed that, that time after the fact that I wrote so many songs and I was writing so many songs and taking that energy and trying to, uh, you know, turn it into art. Uh, and, and in a way, I think some of the, the best artists uh, are, the, are the folks that take those layers that are and, and those hardships and they can turn them into art. And, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, looking back, I'm like, man, I, it's, I, I write a whole lot. I, I write much uh like I'm, I'm a much better writer when I'm in a in that kind of headspace but my body is saying like I I hate being sad like that was like such a bad time yeah yeah but 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 like but but like our our mutual friend Brent Cobb says there's nothing wrong with it and and that that loneliness is value like loneliness has a lot of value to it so again you can wake up alone like I do which sucks a lot of times but there's a reason why I'm, I'm spending this time alone. And that if you're afraid to be alone, you're not getting the true value out of what that alone time is. And in our world today, as Brent Cobb puts it, which that little smart son of a bitch, like, I don't know how he got so smart. Cause I know he don't read a whole bunch. I wouldn't think he did. Um, I don't know if people from Georgia know how to read. You think they'll hear me say that? <laughs> I'm, I'm messing around. <laughs> we get up in the morning and the first thing we do is go to the, where the charger's plugged in and we get this little apparatus off of that charger. And then we go on these little things called social media. And what happens? We don't think we're alone anymore because we're afraid. We're afraid to be alone. So we, 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 we attach ourselves to all these people that we don't know. And we live their lives like, Oh, she's so happy today. Look at her. Look at him. He's running on, he's running a marathon. I'm like, Brett's like, Brent's like, don't do that. That's the, when you wake up, discipline yourself 30 45 minutes an hour alone in the dark of laying there and and getting to know you better and working on you and that people are afraid to do that because loneliness goes with the word depression and and depression isn't necessarily bad we are depressed we like we got to like that feeling because that's what makes the happier times better to say that you're never sad and never depressed is like saying that you don't don't like candy or you don't like mom's apple pie or you don't like sex that's stupid these are all human emotions right yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I love that he says that, that he's, he, I, I, I really love being alone. I was alone for, uh, when I moved back from LA, I was single for probably four or five years. And I lived in this, in this exact condo by myself with a little studio and just, uh, 
I, I exercised every day. I had a routine if I was not doing shows and I, and I wrote songs and just tapped into my, uh, who I was like, without anyone, you know, without anything, any noise, like what do I enjoy doing? Uh, Cause also like coming off, coming, coming out from LA, I was also in this whole thing where my identity was just uh, based around my, my music and the person I was with and a lot of things. And I was kind of going, well, uh, who am I without all of that? If I, if I woke up tomorrow and I wasn't, uh, I didn't have this voice and I didn't know how to write songs. Who am I? With, with, with none of that removed as a person. And I, it gave me a little bit more uh, insight into into that world, things that I enjoy. Are you an emotional person, Paul? Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. when you when you write, do you ever make yourself tear up? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't, I mean, that, isn't that the greatest freaking feeling in the world to where a man, in, I'm 45 years old, and the greatest feeling, not the greatest, but a great, a really good feeling for me, bro, is when I find emotion in things that I'm supposed to be emotional about. So if I'm watching Bambi and I'm supposed to like get teary eyed over that deal, I'm glad that my nervous system and my central system allows me to do so. I take pride in that. I don't hide that. Like if I'm, if I am watching a documentary to where I see some inspiration, I, I, I get teared up over happy things. Like that makes me feel good to see people living that like that's, awesome, right? So I'll get teared up over that because I, I want to be emotionally connected and grounded to those types of instances. Because if not, I feel like I would just be going through the motions and not getting the true message of what they're trying to tell me. Of course. Yeah. You're just jaded on things. Like, uh, man, I, I met somebody, uh, we were doing this, uh, songwriters in paradise gig who, uh, I'm not sure if you know, uh, some of these guys, Channing Wilson and a bunch of guys that I feel Love like him. Love him. brilliant as well, man. Well, Did we you listen there. to that song they released today? Oh yeah, yeah. That train wreck song. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, he's been playing that for years. That's like the one that that everyone's just like, "Come on, man!" Dude, I saw I saw her. I I'm, I want you to tell me the songwriting deal, but I saw him, I didn't see him post it. I saw I think Randy Montana or somebody posted it, and I clicked on it, and I'm like, "God dang, she's got Jamie Johnson singing vocal harmonies with her." And I'm yeah. like, "I'm like, that's not Jamie Johnson, that's Channing." And then and then it popped up on Channing's feed, and I'm like, "Good night." Does he sound good on that song, dude? Yeah, he's he's legend, man. He is, man. That dude. What's What's nuts is I only recently got uh, have become friends with him in the past few years. Like I, we just ran in different circles, and then suddenly we we crossed up, and and it was a same same deal when I met Brent. It was like we looked at each other and was like, "All right, yeah, like we're we're." we're I got you. Yeah, man. It's so like, you're at the songwriting deal, and go ahead. Oh yeah, we're, I was bringing it back to 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 being jaded. There was a guy who I sat down at the bar with. Uh, uh, who had who had sailed all around the world and had, um, I mean, you name it, he he had done it. I was just like, tell me this. I was pretty much just listening. I was, it was a therapy session for him. I feel like, and uh, he was just letting me know how he was uh, in these biker gangs. He had the fastest bikes in the world, and just all just all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, and he just said he was waiting around. Uh, he he just he was bored with life. He's like, I've done everything. It just feel I just feel like. Uh, alone like there's nothing else for me to do and i asked him i was like well have you been in love we went down that road and uh it just it just made me real sad uh thinking that like uh that someone would be that jaded on everything we've done everything but but i, I was like you need to t uh, do, like what about like real friends you know like family love like these conversations there are deeper things uh that are that are not so 
you know, accolades or whatever, they can, they can make you feel important. And like, you have a purpose on here. Like maybe this conversation is your purpose. You know, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. just like, to, for that, I could see it making you feel that way. Like that's, it's almost, um, I was like, don't give up. Man. Yeah. Like, like it's almost like, it's like, how do you get to that point? Like, like yeah. let's, let's take, um, God, I hate bringing shit like this up cause it truly makes me sad, but let's take like, I don't know if jaded goes with sickness. I don't know if there's a disease that like somebody like Cornell went through. Yeah. Let's yeah. take Chris or let's, I mean, there's so many guys that, I mean, we've lost so many good ones lately, but like Robin Williams, like, how can out from the outside looking in, how can that, how can you look at Chris Cornell and what he did with temple of the dog and what he did with audio slave and what he did with garden and what he did with Zach Brown on that thing that they did. And just genius, right? Like one of the best of all time. And from the outside looking in, you're like, how can it get any better? And then that happens. And you're like, is that jaded that causes that? Like nothing can ever affect me anymore. And I don't need to be here anymore. Kind of approach. I don't get it. It just never has, it doesn't make it sense to me. I feel like there's got to be, it's got to be some kind of clinical depression stuff. But, but then again, I have never experienced that level. Uh, I mean, th those kind of guys are, are, uh, I mean, but are they jaded? Are they jaded because of the experiences that they get to see? Kind of like you sitting in that songwriting round or the bar in Nashville and people are looking up on the screen and going, Oh, look, Rain Man's on. And you're like, oh, about Rain Man. Are you jaded to Are you jaded to that experience right there that you can't be you? You've already been there, done that. So you're not getting the most out of that experience. And on top of that, your friends and the people that are there with you are not getting the most out of Paul because you just had an opportunity to say, dude, Dustin's a cool dude because you automatically, you automatically are jaded by your experience. Like, I don't think anybody wants to hear about this. They're not going to believe it. that's being jaded. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what. But do you? What do you have to offer if you don't have that? That's what you were put in that group to do was to, yeah. to share that experience. That's what you do through song. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is true. Yeah, that, uh, that's true. Maybe I don't know. I am I wrong? Am I wrong in thinking that being jaded could cause it to get to that point that you really don't give a shit anymore? Like it's over. Life as we know it is over. I mean, at that point, those kind of guys. Like I can't imagine their experience on earth. Like characters like Johnny Depp or, I mean, but I don't, but I don't feel you cause guys like Tom Hanks don't feel that way. Like, uh, they, I don't, they don't seem like they are, uh, jaded, you know, things still excite them, but, but I can't imagine like someone at that level of, of fame where no matter where, wherever you go in the world, uh, you're constantly, you can't have an actual interaction with, with, anyone or anything it's always just a microscope on you outside of a handful of people in a close-knit space that has to wear on you and maybe that's maybe that's the reason for that kind of stuff you never know i don't know uh i don't know i mean i remember the day robin williams, robin williams died uh we were we wrote we wrote a song uh this is another another example of living in la stuff but um at the time i was i had a band uh with a girl named lily Lily Kershaw, uh, or just, we were just writing songs together. Brilliant, uh, LA artist, uh, super poetic, has an amazing voice. And, uh, and she was good friends with, uh, with Zelda, which is Robin's daughter. And so at the time we were hanging, uh, in that camp and just going up to her house. I just actually reached out to her yesterday cause I thought about it. And, uh, 
was like, man, we were watching a Robin Williams documentary and it just made me think about those times. But uh, we had written a song about it and uh, she was like, my friend's dad just passed away and let's write a song about this. And uh, we wrote a song about it and then I, then I realized it was Robin Williams. Man, it was just some sad, sad times because he was such a, a positive energy on cool. What was the song called? Um, so, uh, uh, we never released it, but I bet you I can find it. Uh, so look at what you just did there, right there with what you just told me. Like I bring up Mork and Mindy and you go into saying like what, how that affected you. I think that is so freaking awesome that you're sitting in that group of people and Mork and Mindy come on the TV and you're like, I wrote a song with my, my, this girl I was with is Zelda's friend and Zelda lost her dad. It just happened to be wrong. And if people will look at that and say, Oh, shut up. We don't need to hear about your limelight life. I look at that at like you were put in that position to be able to write that song, make that girl feel something and be able to tell that story to people of what fucking human emotion has to do with living life the right way. I just cussed. I apologize. But I get so worked up over this is because you you just said it. You get jaded to the point to where can Cornell go into an observation or a, or just a certain I I worded that wrong. Go into an experience to where it becomes an observation to him to where he doesn't feel comfortable and he can't let him true self be. And that's what you're doing on this level in Nashville. If you're not you're out there when you have so much to say, like that story right there is awesome. And you would have been in that Nashville bar and been like, well, I don't think I should say that story because these guys are probably sick of hearing it. And to me, that's your ability to say, hey, man, this is what I was put on earth to do. I was put in that position to be able to share this shit. Absolutely. That to me is like, that's cool, bro. That's, man, I don't it, look at it as raw, raw. I look at it as freaking good know, on man. you, man. Dude, it was, it was a heavy, it was a heavy song, man. We, uh, we had the, this band. I can send it out. I'll, I'll text it over to you when I find it. But uh, yeah, it, I never thought that I would be in the place to, to, to do that. And uh, I remember, uh, th- I mean, we were, we were over at her place within the next, within that time, you know, like, uh, it was just, a, it was tough, man. It was tough, especially being that close to, to, to what was going on, you know, like, uh, it's crazy. I think it's, I think it's rad that you can find that you have experiences like that to pull from and then to be able to put them on a level that any, anybody that hears it can get something out of it. That's a talent. Not everybody can do that. I woke up this morning and experienced some awesome shit, man. I got some really cool phone calls. I got some really good inspiration. I made other people feel good. I was able to do something for somebody to make their lives better. And I can't go sit down and write that story in three minutes and put a guitar in my hands and then send it to somebody like Brent Cobb or, or, or a studio or whatever and have them go, Paul, get in here and record. I don't have that talent. That is a, that is why songwriting, that is why music is not supposed to be freaking cubicle country it is not supposed to be manufactured it is supposed to be as real as real can get and from the earliest days of music the songwriters like like brent cobb says we keep quoting him but he says the greats write when they're high they write when they're sober and brent cobb says you know what chad i like being high but i like being sober just as much he goes that's what life's all about i like to be sad i love to be sad because I love being happy. And you know what? I love drinking four beers when I'm fishing for brim with my daughters. And you know what? I like to drink water with my wife talking about Jesus on a Sunday. I like all of that. And that to me is key, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that a, I just think that the talent that you guys have, I'm so 
I'm not envious of it because I was put on earth to do something else. But to, to be a true songwriter is one of the sickest, and I'm and sick in a good way, the sickest, baddest ass talents that a human being can possess. The shit that John Prine would put on paper, and then you go back and hear like Bruised Orange right now, or, and like Guy Clark, when you listen to that song that Brett Cobb um, turned me on to, Anyway, I Love You, when you hear that, and if you don't tear up, and if you don't get emotionally pleased with life, then you're not freaking living the right way. And I truly feel that way. Man, John Prine, that's another one, man. That's just uh, such a, such a, such a, a brilliant artist, uh, the, the, you know. That the majority probably never got the gist of what he was saying, dude. I'm being for real. Like I don't. Brent says it too. Like I didn't. I didn't find John Prine till late in life, and was, neither did Brent Cobb. He was late for me. Too. Yeah, he was late for me. Like I, I, I mean, those those early records were. I mean, it was seventies, but I was always Dylan. You know, uh, it was Willie and Waylon. Like me, I was. Oh yeah, and it was never like uh, I. John Prine was late in life for me, man. Me and too. You really, even uh, Channing. Channing was like, dude, you got to listen to some of these because I would be in places I w- like next to these brilliant songwriters, and they would be like, "You idiot! You haven't heard? You you don't know that song?" And I'm like, "No." Uh, <laughs> oh shit! Here I am, this like rock and roll. Like uh, I'm like, oh man, but I'm sitting here next to y'all playing. Like I better go home and do some do some research, you know, next out. So next time I'm hanging out with you, I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's dude. That's how I was. When I heard some of the songs, like just like the hits, like the big ones. And then when you lay down a song, like angel from Montgomery and you hear Susan Tedeschi or Bonnie do it, you're just like, Oh wow. Yeah, like that, that version with Bonnie Raitt and John Prine singing on it is like a, yeah, it's like it's like why we were born. We were born to hear that. Like they weren't born to sing it. We were born to hear that. Like you, <laughs> that should be it. That should be in every delivery room in the country. Every yeah. baby should hear that version of Angel from Montgomery when they're coming out of their mama's womb. I'll vote for that. <laughs> Could you imagine like being able to tell that story? Um, you're like in Orlando and you're with a bunch of strangers and you're like, yeah, my favorite song is angel from montgomery and all seven of them go mine too and, I, and then you're like i wonder why it's because every delivery room in the country is that's the first song we heard uh, that's that's my john prime theory that dude is just to lose him and diffy and like that's what that's hey it's life man we're supposed to feel emotion i've never i don't know those guys but i that, that hits me because they told me stories through in three minutes man three minutes like hey we got we got some time left we're gonna do this again because we got to keep this going because you got so much to say. And I never know how a first podcast with somebody's going to go if you're going to jive with me. And obviously, we can banter back and forth. And I want to get into, though, like you, you've made mention of rock and roll and, and, your, and what you do on stage. Do you, but you also made um, reference to this last year of being unplugged and playing acoustical and being by yourself. Will you do a couple for us? Uh, can you? Are you set up right there? Yeah, sure. You got enough axes behind you? I got, pl- I got plenty of axes over here. I'm just going to... too many, to be honest with you. Are those but all acoustical? These are all acoustics. I got electrics uh, back in the other room. Yes. Um, tell me the story. We have, uh, we have about 15, 15, 18 minutes left. In reality, that's enough time to sing six songs if they average three minutes, but I would never ask you to do that. I'm asking you to tell me the story of is Wildcard a co-write? Is it your idea? And how do you come up with the idea if it is your idea? Uh, that that was a co-write, but I wrote that song. Um, 
at that point in life, I hadn't done too many co-writes. I was writing all on my own for, for my earlier band records. And when I came back into town from LA, I was, um, I was, uh, I just coming out of that divorce. So I was really trying to, to make friends, uh, to be honest. And I, so I, I met up with one of my old college friends who, who worked at a big publishing company. I said, Hey, I want to meet some people to write songs with. So we set up writing sessions every day of the week. So I could just go in and meet new people pretty much. I just wanted to, I didn't want to feel so by myself at that, in that moment. So I wrote that one, but I had, had the majority of it finished before I walked it in. But um, I can tell you the story behind that one as well. I mean, uh, I, I I was I just started dating dating a girl uh, and um, she we things things were going good. This was the first girl I dated since since my uh, since my marriage, and it was just like a a, a, a fling. Looking back on it, but a fling uh, enough for me to write a handful of songs for this last record. And, uh, but she was a beautiful, talented, amazing, and she's phenomenal things since then but she's a do you get she, sad do you get sad right now thinking about dating her no man i, I don't get sad I just it just it's like looking back on your life like different it's like thinking about anyone that's inspired me or got to me a place and mm-hmm. uh and, and and this girl was it was a short period of time but uh but i she she got me from one place to to the next and i'll always remember her for that you know i love it yeah. so this is this is this is wild card this is wildcard. Yeah, at this point in time, I was hanging out at, at Bonnaroo, and uh, and she she was getting getting back with with uh with the person that she was supposed to be with. Uh, so. I don't know what you've been up to, but all my friends seem to think. But they do, they keep telling me things, but I'm not here. So just be honest with me, I don't care. I need to hear from your red lips, right? We're both too keen, some goddamn matters. Darling, you're wildcard. See, love is in your neck in my heart. There's something pushing in your heart to find, but when you want some loving in your life by my side, you're dying, you're wild card. You see, you love me right now, you're breaking my heart. You're dying, you're wild card. Yeah, you see it, I should let you go, but then you're reaching for my hand to hold on. Say you don't want no company, then you put your past even alone. Yeah, you're hot, you're cold, you're never warm. Yep, you're down, but you're always torn. Nothing got a reason to keep sticking around. You'll see, down in your wild card. You see, you love it and you're licking my heart. It's so confusing in your heart to find them when you want some loving in your heart by my side. You're in your wild card. See you loving right now. You're breaking my heart. You're in your wild card. I've got a feeling that you're never going to slow down. 
I got a feeling that you are the type of girl to stick around. I got a feeling if I say I love you now, you'll be on your way faster than I could even say. Darling, your whole world color. See, you love me, then you're wrecking my heart. It's so confusing in your heart to find me when you want some loving in your heart by my side. Darling, your whole world color. See, you love me, but I know you're breaking my heart. Darling, your world Darling, you're welcome. She's breaking my heart. She's breaking my heart. I don't know what you've been up to, but all my friends seem to think they do. And they keep telling me things in my head. Oh, God. Damn it, boy. <laughs> That's strong, man. Uh, thanks, thanks, man. I told yeah. you that my studio can't quit playing it, dude. They're just like, no way, man. Oh, I swear, man, like ripping it. Man, it's got a cool boom, 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 boom. The electric, the electric part is, is tight. That song's so killer, man. Yeah, what about you. what about um? God, I don't, I don't want to ask you to do too many. I'm just going to ask you to do one more. I got to ask you to, if you can lay down. Depends on how old it is. Some of these old ones I can't remember all the time. Yeah, yeah you, that's why I wanted to have a few. But I, I wanted to hear either hold on, come on, or or I ain't good. Oh, damn, dude. You know what's crazy, man? Uh, I, I, I wrote I ain't good with my with my girlfriend and now but I wrote it like years and years and years ago and now we're dating which is kind of cool she put it in her set and I put it in mine now so I'm like oh yeah. like, is it one of the ones you dig oh man I love it yeah our versions are completely different for the records but it's so cool you brought it up uh, hold on a second I want to get these guys in here to hear it with me hold on this is one that the studio is that cool if I bring Tom and Clay in here I, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll be able to do it with this acoustic uh, uh, let's see uh, uh which one you want to do? Let's do, uh, let's do, uh, come on. Come Hold on a second. I want to get Clay and Tom, okay? I got to let them enjoy a second of this. Hey, hey, this is Tom and this is Clay. This is Paul McDonald, the guy that we've been ripping to. Come and listen to this. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to hear it good, but all right, go. Which, what's this going to be called? So this, this one is, uh, is come on. This come is, on. Uh, this that. I think this is Channing's favorite one of mine, but uh, this is the same. Uh, this is about the same. It's the same person. But the idea is uh, behind the song is um, uh, it's about the person in between. You know, this is about a girl I just fallen out of love, and she just fallen out of love. So we weren't trying to fall in love again, but. Uh, Got together for this moment in time. Yeah, you hold me like a cigarette and 
from the very first day. You had me all choked up. You had me dizzy in my head. Hold you underneath my tongue. Show you off to everyone. But it's just a matter of time until the sun creeps up and the trucks are all gone. I can feel a hole Baby, as I hold it, me too. I'm looking for a late night fix. Please, my mind. I'm sure that you could use one too. Yeah, I know it ain't love, but it's better than being alone. So if you want, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. If you want, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Now I'm wishing we were dead. Hold me tight like your past and don't ever forget it. Neither here nor now. Cause it's all we're ever gonna get. Baby, let your feelings drive. Yeah, just let it all out. It's just a matter of time until the sun peeps up and the drugs you fall around. I can feel a hole in you. Looking for the late night fix to ease my mind. I'm sure that you could use one too. <laughs> what do you think, Tom and Clay? Cool. Awesome, buddy. Right, right on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, he's all over, but it's on the server. I was just editing to that stuff. All your. 
All when the I time. get good music, it's crazy. I just want to use every song to every edit I do. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'll, I'll bust out. I ain't good on the next episode. I haven't played it in so long. Normally, do I do. I ain't good on the next episode. Normally that's my favorite song. I like that. I love Wild Card, but I ain't good, man. That's a. That's it's a, a ripping song. Well, let's do this again, bro. I can't wait. I would love to, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we'll just have a continuous little deal. And uh, when you get a new song ready to drop or you got a new show you want us to help promote and plug, then we're That's all awesome. about the music, man. It's really hitting us. We like it. Right on, brother. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, let, let me know when, I, when all this stuff clears up, man. Let's get together. And, and Hell yeah. I'll be having you come out and do some jams for us and hiring you to do some shows. It'll be rocking. Dude, I'm all about it. I'm all about it, brother. I can't wait, man. That's another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Y'all check out Paul. Give us your Instagram. Uh, it is uh, at the Paul McDonald, T-H-E-P-A-U-L-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. At the Paul McDonald. Website? Uh, ThePaulMcDonald.com. 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 Everything has the in front of it. T-H-E. Check yeah. out his art. This is true art. I, I, I still can't get over the Jimmy Iovine quote. Tom, I'm telling you know the you know the the big show on um on HBO that Jimmy Iovine quoted about him saying I'll let you read the quote but it's pretty much saying when you hear Paul McDonald sing you won't forget him he's one of those guys that you'll never forget kind of deal and that that it's a very and Jimmy says it's a very rare talent to have and that's rare to have. It's pretty impressive. I'm I'm happy that my manager at the time uh, got that quote from because because I would have forgotten it already. That's yeah. awesome, dude. Well, congrats, man. And uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go uh, YouTube some stuff. Hopefully, I can find some stuff of you jamming with Stevie Wonder. That'd be really cool to awesome. see, dude. Congratulations on it, brother. We'll get together again. We'll be rooting for you. That's been another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Check out more of Paul's work. He's got so many good songs on any of your music provider platforms. Tom, hit that button. We're going to go out with a Paul McDonald song today. We're going to go out with a I Ain't Good. We're going to, this is I Ain't Good by Paul McDonald. You've been listening to This Life Ain't for Everybody. Please keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Today's episode again was brought to you by our friends at Whiskey Jam and Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. This is Chad Belding. Tom, hit that button. Paul McDonald, I ain't good.